welcome to Offkey, a member and labs podcast about music's professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linsa Arnold. Close my eyes to retreat. Hi, and welcome back to Offkey. A couple of weeks ago, I was lucky enough to chat with Jocelyn Greenwood, who is the president of Cordova Bay Entertainment Group, which is a record label here in Victoria, BC. Jocelyn is also the bassist for the alternative rock band Jets Overhead, so it was really interesting to hear about her career in music and how her background as a musician has influenced her approach to the business side of the industry that she works in today. I hope that you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. So cool. Thank you, Jocelyn, for coming on to Off Key. Really appreciate your time on this snowy day. Yeah, absolutely. Fun to be here. Um, so I kind of like to start every episode with kind of where did you grow up? I'm from Victoria. Yeah, born and raised here, which is somewhat rare mm-hmm. these days, I think. But um, yeah, spent uh, a lot of time doing music lessons here in Victoria, yeah. conservatory, and uh, growing up uh, certainly in the music scene here. Um, then when I started playing professionally, did a lot of traveling. Yeah. Um, always, you know, spent sort of extended periods in some of the bigger centers, whether it's Toronto, New York, mm-hmm. L.A., London a little bit. But uh, always really enjoyed having this as a home base to come back to. And now um, I'm here permanently. And I think the, the scene here has actually grown to a point where you know, there's there's quite a bit going on. It's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, have a career here and, and connect with some good people. Mm-hmm. Did you start off playing, um, you said you were studying at this conservatory, so you started in classical? Or? Yeah, 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 that was my background. Uh, piano and then classical yeah. guitar. And, uh, yeah, just sort of got into playing bass mm-hmm. with... Uh, various types of groups and just really enjoyed the, 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 you know, it gets pretty lonely mm-hmm. playing classical music on your own yeah, totally. day, day out. So, uh, you know, I think the, um, the camaraderie first and foremost was, was what was really like attractive and, and then also just the opportunities grew from there and, um, being able to travel with it was a huge draw for sure. Cool. Yeah. I, um, I didn't didn't do it very seriously. It was very much like a hobby of the okay. classical piano, but definitely I always kind of wished that I love it, but it's one of those things that you don't really get to use at all outside of your home because it's not, like, no one really ever, like, you can't just, like, pick it up and be like, okay, I'm going to go do this now, or it's harder to play with people unless, yeah. again, everything is there. Yeah, totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the, the, the learning how to, you know, collaborate, improvise as a group and Mm -hmm. I mean that was a whole sort of secondary education I think which was which was really cool too you know someone who reads music doesn't you know necessarily get to do that that often yeah so it was uh it was fun to branch into that area Mm -hmm. what um kind of drew you to working in music professionally rather than just like a a hobby because you said you're studying So it's like mm-hmm. serious. So uh, yeah, I was you know definitely a, a performer first mm-hmm. and foremost originally, and then um, 
I was uh, playing bass in, in the Ben Jets were head and we mm. spent, well prior to that we, we actually, the, the original incarnation, uh, we were called the special guests mm -hmm. and um, we had signed to uh, a record deal to Attic Records originally which became the Song Corporation mm -hmm. which is sort of a, a storied part of Canadian music okay. history, recent history. Um, so the label ended up, it was, it was right around the, the shift of, you know, sales dropping mm -hmm. and online music becoming a thing. And um, there were probably various reasons, but the label ended up going bankrupt. And okay. um, it, we were, you know, still very young. And that was our, you know, first foray into the business. Yeah. And we realized, you know, it was probably... The best thing that could have happened because we realized early on that um, to really have a career you need to know about the business side as well mm -hmm. as being a performer and so we kind of uh, spearheaded our own label at that point and, okay, cool. and started doing you know more of our own work and uh, I think that was you know we were totally green and it, it was just a, a really good education um, to get into it and eventually, you know, you come to a point where you need to, you know, have a bit more stability in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have families now, um, so it just sort of parlayed itself into um, working an actual job for, for where I am now at Cordova Bay Entertainment Group. And I worked there for many years while I was also in the band. And, okay. And was able to, you know, they're always very kind in terms of letting me tour and everything. Yeah. So, um, and then, you know, eventually took on a more, you know, permanent role there. And, and that's where I am now. So, uh, it's been really amazing. And uh, I just, you know, there aren't many labels in Victoria. Mm -hmm. So, we don't quite have that sort of connection with the rest of the country that, mm -hmm. that you would if, you know, you were working in Toronto, but at the same time, I think it's kind of cool because we're able to do our own thing. We're very independent and mm -hmm. um, not necessarily, you know, follow. We get to sort of just come up with our own ideas. Yeah, that is cool. And I'm sure, you know, independent artists are probably really attracted to that as well. Yeah, I think so. You know, that's kind of our, our thing. We consider ourselves to be quite artist friendly. Yeah. Pretty much everyone at the company is also a musician and, uh, you know, we we like to think of it as a partnership. Mm -hmm. So we always discuss things, you know, on a personal level with the artists and make sure everybody's happy to go in a certain direction. And you know, it's it's good to have both both sides of the table, mm -hmm. but uh, meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah, definitely. So you said that you, when you were with Jets Overhead, you were kind of like life started to happen, and you kind of had to, I guess, settle down. Might be the word um but how do you kind of come into Cordova Bay was it because you guys said that you were talking about like starting your own label is, yeah is... well we had yeah years before that and um you know again it was totally trial by fire we hadn't mm. had any sort of formal education and yeah. now there are actually some amazing programs um that you can go post-secondary programs you can you can you know get into the, the music industry that way but yeah even in it's a relatively new thing I, mm -hmm. I think 
certainly in Victoria there was there wasn't anything no. like that. Um, so we were just you know learning to do by doing, and I you know needed needed a job basically. Yeah. Um, wanted to do something in the industry, and we were you know when you're playing in a band, it's uh, you know you can't just get any any yeah. job. You need to get something that you know you can hopefully um, something symbiotic with what you're doing. Yes, of course. So um, I, you know, approached Michael Burke, who's the owner of the company, and, um, you know, I knew some bands on the label, and I, I knew of them, and we'd seen them, you know, through, you know, at event, events through our own band. And I just, uh, you know, I asked if there was anything available and anything I could be doing, and... Um, Fortunately, he he came to me a little while later and said, you know, he wanted some help uh, originally on the publishing side of things. Okay, cool. So um, that was really exciting to me because that was an area that I hadn't really had a lot of knowledge in and was able to really dive in and learn a lot about that side of things, which cool. is, um, yeah, it's a whole other side of the industry, which mm -hmm. is, uh, which is I think pretty important that anybody out there who's a songwriter should should learn about so. yeah definitely mm -hmm. I imagine there's like a ton of um with publishing like so many legal things yeah copyright that law you don't even yeah. yeah it's uh it's pretty critical and and changing all the time too so even yeah people who have been in the industry for a long time are uh, are constantly having to learn about yeah. it yeah and especially with so many new frontiers in technology there's things that didn't even exist before yeah so yeah it must be constantly developing yeah uh, and yeah it's pretty fascinating and and I think, you know, we're, we're very lucky in Canada to have uh, SOCAN, for example, who's mm -hmm. actually quite um, on the leading edge, I'd say, in terms of trying to fight for the rights of the, their songwriters So um, when it comes to new technology. So it's, yeah, I think it's a pretty exciting time. Cool. What is SOCAN, sorry? SOCAN is the society of composers in Canada so they represent the performing rights okay. royalties so that's the the side that um, you know if there's any public performance of any kind whether it's radio play or um, appears on film and television or um, a live performance and you know right to like a yoga studio even or a restaurant okay. um, they collect royalties for you oh, okay on your behalf yeah okay cool so for someone that isn't super familiar with like myself um with what a record label does could you kind of explain like elaborate on that a little bit more because yeah. well, i think we like hear obviously like this label like, you know you hear the term label a lot yeah. a lot but yeah what actually goes on uh -huh, good there. question <laughs> it's it's a, a particularly good question these days because i think the the entity that is a label is changing yeah more than ever right now and uh you know maybe our model is slightly different than others but um basically we work with the artists to release their uh well i was going to say album but that isn't really even so much the thing anymore um it's their body of work whatever yeah. it may be single ep album um a lot of labels might do a true record deal where they 
paid for the recording and they own the masters. Mm -hmm. um, we have done that, although more commonly we license stuff, which allows it to remain under the ownership of the artist, okay. but it's licensed to us for a period of time, whether it be five years, ten years, whatever. So, um, and then it would revert back to them. Okay. So it it's a little bit... Uh, less risk to both parties mm -hmm. um, anyway and then we we take take the music and we work with the artist on their branding and their whole sort of package around who they are mm -hmm. as an artist and I think right now instead of selling we're not you know selling music at this point mm -hmm. we're creating a culture around yeah. the artist that's the key piece and wanting to um, you know, create a situation where the fans want to know what they're up to, want to be part of it, want to listen to everything they release. Mm. Um, so we are uh, obviously doing everything from the nuts and bolts of the, the actual release, mm. so working with distributors to make sure all the assets are there and getting things done on time on that front. Then we are also a publishing company, so we collect... Um, royalties on behalf of the artist for both the publishing side and on the master side. Okay, cool. So, um, and things like uh, placing music on film and TV or video mm -hmm. games, big part of what we do as well. Um, just anything to try and utilize the music and get it out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that, you know, you hear, like, label, manager, you know, and they kind of all conflate. For, yeah. yeah, especially for somebody that doesn't know something about the industry. Yeah. You're just like, okay, that's a word I've yeah. heard in relation to music. We um, work with a lot of developing, like, emerging artists, so, yeah. so we're developing the project. In, in many cases, they don't have a manager yet, and we mm. essentially do become their manager. Yeah, you, like, yeah. serve that's that role. Yeah. Um, so what's your role at of a bay and kind of what's you know like a average i'm sure every day is quite different but what yeah what are yeah. you gonna well yeah i'm the president of the company mm -hmm. um so i oversee our staff and trying to um basically create the opportunities that we're working on mm -hmm. day to day um small company we have uh basically four employees here in our victoria office and then one in toronto um, and we, because it's small, we kind of all take on yeah. various roles, but, um, you know, there's, we try to, to stay within our, our lines yeah. a little bit. So, um, I also handle pretty much all the, the publishing side of things. So, uh, we would be doing anything from, you know, Monday morning we'll have a big team meeting and we'll go through artist by artist project by project make sure that everything that needs to be done in the coming week will get done and you know who do we need to reach out to um you know what deadlines need to be met and then we'll also have an a and r component to that where we'll um, explore new artists every everybody's encouraged to bring in um, new music they find or, mm -hmm. or anything that they've come upon we'll all listen to music and, and talk about it and you know that's the that's definitely the fun part but it's also hard because you you can't take everything on yeah so we have to be pretty picky and at the same time it's it's like 
you know, even if it's something you're personally really into, passionate about, it has to be something that's going to make sense from a business perspective. Yeah, so it's always that merging that, you know, love of music with the business side, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the key part. Yeah, of course. That must be really difficult for something that is so subjective, such as taste and, yeah, but there is obviously... Um, in any business, there is some sort of formula to success to a certain degree for what works. Yeah. And yeah, balancing the two must be mm-hmm. kind of a... Yeah, and that, and honestly, the, the biggest thing for us, too, is is the personality of the artist. Yeah. And, and, you know, we like to work really closely with mm-hmm. our artists. And, they're you know, we talk to them every day almost. And, and you know, just people that you really like to work with. And yeah, That's a big component. And, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you were saying you're like, you treat it like a partnership. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, even if someone is outstanding, <laughs> technically, yeah, yeah. it's got to work for both people or both sides, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you're saying in addition to being the president of Cordoba Bay, you're also, are you still, is Jets Overhead or are you guys still um, like working together? And, yeah. 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 We all have uh, small children. Well, yeah. almost all of us, uh, six, like under five-year-olds among us so (laughs) it's a busy time personally for us all so we're not actively touring at all we've kind of been on hiatus on that front uh however we did record a new tune last summer oh cool yeah and it was it was really fun to get back in the studio so we um yeah did it out at uh the hive with colin stewart Mm -hmm. and had our old friend and collaborator Neil Osborne from Fifty Four Forty produced it. Okay. So um, yeah, we did a new tune called "The Timing," which we um, put on a compilation of like it was our fifteenth anniversary mm-hmm. in twenty eighteen. So um, we did like a double vinyl, totally self indulgent. Yeah, release. yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why not? Fifteen is. That's big. It was something yeah. to us. So it was just a kind of an excuse to get back in the studio, totally. have a new tune, um, release the vinyl, and kind of went back through all our archives and, and um, you know, we're, gave us a chance to kind of relive some of the old stories and yeah. put it up on social media. So I'd say we're, you know, we're, we're not really active, but we're still around and, yeah. you know, happy to maybe do the odd release here and there. Do you ever play shows in town? That's a great we haven't recently. Yeah. Um, there's there's some chatter about it though. Mm-hmm. I think we all really like to if the mm-hmm. the opportunity came up where where we were available. It's hard to get us all in the same room right now. Yeah. <laughs> Coordinating. <laughs> yeah. Like five different families. Also. Yeah. It's, it's a little crazy, but yeah. One day. Yeah. Someday. Oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. How did you um, like? How did the band kind of start? Uh, early on, um, well. Like I mentioned, uh, we were different. Three, yeah. basically three of the current members were. We were in a band called The Special Guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam, who's the singer, uh, and I grew up uh, very close to each other out in North Saanich, and okay. uh, so we've known each other since we were about five, and mm. went right through to high school together, and um, we're always involved in different musical projects, yeah. and and uh, then Adam's cousin Piers. Henwood, who's has a management company here in town. Mm-hmm. Now he um, approached Adam and just said he had some songs and wanted to, you know, do something over one summer. And Adam recruited me, and then I recruited our drummer at the time that I was playing with, and 
and uh, yeah, we just it, it came from that a garage high school yeah. project cool. where we you know messed around with you know originals and covers and and uh, it became a it became a legitimate band at some point. I'm not sure yeah. <laughs> exactly when, but uh, and then in 2003 we kind of morphed into Jets Overhead. It was it was quite a different sound okay. that we were starting to do and and. The special guest was a joke kind of name to yeah. begin with. It wasn't that um, serious. And then when we were, uh, you know, kind of taking it more seriously, we we decided to change the name. Yeah. yeah. How did the sound kind of change? Um, we were quite sort of, you know, three-minute rock pop song, mm. pretty, I don't know, shiny, happy, mm-hmm. just... To give you some descriptors yeah. in the early days, of course we were, you know, eighteen. I was gonna say, yeah, you know, so it sounded like we were. Yeah. Um, and then you know it became time to kind of the the themes were maybe more serious. That uh, we tended to write differently. Uh, yeah. Originally, it was sort of um, usually peers around and bringing a song in that they'd written mm-hmm. acoustically, and then it, you know it became a just throwing the parts together to, to make it a band song. But then we started writing as Jets Overhead. We wrote together more, okay, so it cool. started more like groove-based, jam-style uh, tunes that we would record everything and then kind of take pieces out. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, oh, that verse or that chorus, and we'd like kind of explore those themes a little bit further and then eventually morph it all into a song. Um, so it was a totally different process and it, mm-hmm. it was quite fun. We really, you know, we have, I don't know how many demos, <laughs> endless amounts of demos that, so it was quite a fun process to do all that writing together. And so it became a, yeah, a bit more of a, I don't know, ambient trance rock mm-hmm. kind of vibe. Cool. Yeah. Is that in your work now as, um, working with a label Mm -hmm. obviously you like see the work of a lot of artists and groups I'm sure is that writing process common to kind of group write like that or because I know when you look at song credits usually it's just one or two members or just like the lead singer or something or like one person in the band that has the writing credits yeah yeah it really depends on the genre yeah um you know most pop songs are are you know quite commonly not written by the person who's singing them. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, you know, obviously teams of songwriters that that are, you know, really amazing at it. Yeah. That's all they focus on. Um, That said, I think, I'd say that's not that common for a band to write that way. Um, And there is something to be said for, you know, a song being crafted by a single mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, Perhaps it can be more cohesive from a, uh, you know, in terms of the classic uh, technique of songwriting. Yeah. Um, however, that's being said, I think anything could work. I think, mm-hmm. I think and, and everything has worked in the past. If you look at yeah. songs, I'm sure that there's been mul- many amazing collaborations. And it, but, it, but it does take a little bit more... Um, probably honing I'd mm-hmm. say when you're into the into the more production side of things um, 
at some point someone needs to be a dictator <laughs> and yeah. you know it can't all be a democracy otherwise the song is going to be like 10 minutes long and you know <laughs> yeah you know you need to really like cut things back and pare it back to the essence of the song so i don't think it matters how you get there yeah. as long as you get there yeah. yeah totally yeah um was it a challenge for you guys at all i mean i'm sure it was definitely probably wasn't easy because this would be incredible if it was but in finding that singular voice um yeah I think it probably took some practice mm -hmm. and you know I think you know lyrically um Adam would still spearhead the mm -hmm. the actual lyrical content um and later on with Antonio as well who came on to do the the female vocal mm -hmm. um so it was still a they were still able to kind of focus on that side of things and not have a lot of, you know, clutter from too many mm -hmm. cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, just, it's funny. You, when you work together with people long enough, everybody mm -hmm. finds their role, and it really just kind of works. Mm -hmm. And it's, it was maybe a unique thing to those five people in that room, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, hard to kind of put your finger on what exactly made it work. oh definitely yeah. yeah and when you know anyone long enough you start to kind of you know how they think and mm -hmm. it's predictable yeah. what they to a degree yeah so we yeah. could get in a room and start playing and you know something would come out yeah no guarantees would be good but <laughs> yeah something <laughs> you know, would happen we'd, we'd know we could th th you know have a structure of a song it wouldn't just be endless jamming cool yeah yeah that's really interesting my brain doesn't think like that at all um so just, yeah, the idea of kind of starting with nothing and being able to like craft something is really, really interesting to me. And it, yeah, I don't know. I really admire it. So. <laughs> it's a fun process. Um, how have you found being coming from the musician side of the industry and then going towards um, working in a label? How have you found that to kind of affect how you approach your role? Yeah, well, it's uh, definitely two different ways of, of thinking, although I think that musicians nowadays are becoming really savvy about mm. business, um, which is great. But yeah, I think you have to be a bit tougher, a little bit less um, attached to the music, mm. even though you know we're all passionate about it and believe in it. You have to look at it a little more analytically. Mm -hmm. um, I think you know there's always those conversations with artists where you have to be a little bit tough about it and you know say well I know you you know you really feel strongly about this photo but you know it's just not going to work from a practical point of yeah. view for xyz reason it's you know blurry or it's you know <laughs> I don't know um so you have to kind of I guess there's there's sort of rules to follow mm -hmm. in a sense where um you need to play the game a bit, which is something as an artist you, you dread and yeah. you don't want to. But I think uh, there's always ways to be creative about how you play that game. And, mm -hmm. and um, hopefully you can do it without getting too cynical. It, it can be a business where you, yeah, you, you know, can get cynical. But, but I think, um, you know, every day you still find new exciting music that's being made and mm -hmm. um, that kind of reignites your kind of original feeling of what made this fun in the first place yeah 
How have you seen, we talked about this a little bit already, but how have you seen the music industry, you know, in BC and then I guess more specifically in Victoria kind of change and develop over the last like few years, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in Victoria there's some really great bands coming out of here and, and I think a lar- large part of that has to do with there being um, more inspiration in the form of events mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, Rifflandia. Yeah. Um, Rock the Shores, like for young bands to have these types of things to aspire to, mm-hmm. I think that you know provides a nice platform to get involved. Uh, it's uh, it's changed to I think just geographically, Victoria has been you know a tough place to be a musician because if you you have to get out there and you have to play in front of people and yeah. to do that you have to already spend you know a couple hundred bucks to get just off, to get yeah. off the island yeah. which is you know as a, as a brand new band going to be a bit depressing because yeah. you, you know going to be losing money for the first little while probably so um but but i think there's there's more festivals there's more opportunity mm-hmm. now out west so you can you know make these little runs make sense when you're just starting out to to do you know a run up the island or a run just through bc um, there's just more more opportunity. Also, um, you're able to reach your fans without leaving the comfort yeah. of your home. So you've mm-hmm. able to establish that fan base perhaps a little bit better than you would have been able to even ten years ago. Yeah. Um, so you're able to make those connections and be a bit smarter about where you go and when and and know that you're not just going to be playing randomly in an empty room somewhere like you're able to maybe you know build up the event to be something that's going to be worthwhile enough to get up and go yeah Yeah, definitely because I guess you know prior to social media and stuff is that like even very recently the only opportunities that an artist would get to connect with a fan or with an audience would have been literally in a like physically at a show exactly yeah yeah, now there's the opportunity to yes a bunch of different so yeah if you think about what it would take to build up that audience it would take repeat visits to that town which is extremely difficult to do yeah as a new band um you know i think it's still needs to be done but Mm -hmm. you're maybe starting from a, a bit of a uh higher level now because you you've established that kind of baseline of who yeah. you are and what you're about yeah and you've also you're not just kind of I guess shooting into the dark I mean like well I hope people are going to be there because yeah. then you have more of an idea because yeah you're right you can yeah and kind of work to cultivate that for you marketing to your fans I mean has become also a really interesting process now where you can actually uh see the results mm-hmm. of what you did so you did a you know some sponsored posts or you reached out to a certain group of people and you're able to actually see what the results were yeah. of that effort <laughs> as opposed to you know putting an ad mm-hmm. a print ad in a paper yeah. or something you don't know just who's like looking at it he's looking it out past the it. world and you have no idea yeah yeah it's crazy the amount of data that's on there like you can see if somebody looked at it how long they looked at something yeah why they looked at something if it's yeah. You know, like a video or a song, like, to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those types of, of, of analytics are essential. Yeah. yeah. No, it's crazy how much that has changed, like, even, yeah, just in recent years. Mm-hmm. But 
it's cool to see what's going to come next. I think so. I th- yeah. I think it's uh, still rapidly changing. We have to be on our toes. Yeah. Someday I will figure out this blockchain <laughs> thing and <laughs> see how that helps. What are some things that you find to be, we again, we touched on a few of these, but big challenges working in the industry and kind of, yeah, I guess, like, how do you get by those or work through them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the big challenge from a business perspective right at the moment, I think, has been this massive shift towards streaming, yeah. which is both a challenge and, uh, and a blessing. I mean, uh, it's... For the same number of people listening now, um, the equivalent sales would have been huge. Mm -hmm. So the great news is you've got more people listening. Mm -hmm. The bad news is it doesn't equate on the financial level. So you're having to find new ways to create those revenue streams. Mm -hmm. Streaming is is paying people, but... um, not to the same degree, sort of based on just the catch-up required yeah. on the technology side and on the copyright law side. It doesn't necessarily, um, you know, pay at the same rate, or it doesn't at all, actually. Yeah. Even you hear stories, um, major artists who are doing what we would say is incredibly well by today's standards. It's yeah. nothing compared to what a big artist would have been doing 10, 20 years ago. It almost sounds like um, years ago you would make music, sell the music itself mm-hmm. as your business activity so you could tour, which would be your marketing activity, but now it seems kind of like it's almost... The other way around. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially yeah. for bigger artists. Cause... Touring, yeah. Tours are, are a key part. Merchandising yeah. is a key part. Um, that's why you see the major labels doing th- what's called a 360 deal. Yeah. Um, where they're not just selling records, they're involved on the master side, the publishing side, mm-hmm. the merchandise and the live front and yeah. taking a piece of every every stream. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's kind of the way it's going in order to... to make that effort that being said our model is is sort of we still like to see that live revenue um Mm -hmm. going towards the artists because it's kind of their bread and butter yeah and if they're not able to make a living then it doesn't help anybody yeah (laughs) it doesn't help if they have to go get another job yeah no artists no art (laughs) yeah so um yeah it's just a it's kind of a delicate time in navigating that that balance of still trying to be you know, artist friendly and also keep the doors open. Yeah. And, you know, obviously things like, you know, the, the sync revenue we were talking about film and TV, mm-hmm. that's become a really interesting piece of piece of the puzzle and, and can be quite good. But, you know, I think the film industry is in the same boat. They're struggling yeah. financially, so budgets are smaller. Um, you're not getting, you know, some of the massive payouts that you did mm-hmm. a little while ago. But, um, you know, the more the merrier. So it's, it's just, a, just a matter of really trying to be creative and yeah. finding new ways to, to fill, both fill a void and um, kind of create something that people want. 
Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. 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 I hear that's yeah good. You know. It's good in any business. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any um, advice for somebody that's interested in getting into the music industry, either on like an artist side or in the on the business end of the yeah. spectrum? I think um, you know when I've done going to conferences and done mm. you know sat on panels and different things. I think the the thing that seems to be the most consistent is to uh, meet as many people as you can mm-hmm. and ask as many questions as you need to, um, you know, respectfully. Yeah. I think <laughs> people are happy to share their knowledge and mm-hmm. happy to help you learn, um, you know, with it, as long as you're not, they're not being pestered. Um, I think say yes to everything as long as, it, you know, you're not, <laughs> you're still being true to your your own self mm-hmm. um you know the you never know what opportunity is going to lead to the next opportunity so yeah, of course. um you know being willing to to try things and work hard is is key uh it, i think the biggest thing though just from personal experience too is is don't be disillusioned about what it is to be a quote-unquote rock star yeah. Um, you know, it is an incredible amount of work mm-hmm. uh, to be in this business. You have to sacrifice a lot of things in other parts of your life. Um, it's not a nine to five job. Yeah. So, I think, and even on the business side too, same would apply. Uh, I think you have to be willing to really kind of throw everything you have at it mm-hmm. and um, you really want it because if you don't, then it could, you know, become kind of a harsh reality yeah yeah I can imagine. yeah it's, it's it's something that you know you have to be maybe slightly more dedicated to than you would you know something that was a more typical nine-to-five job yeah um which is uh you know any anytime you're an artist it's of course it's gonna be the case yeah um it's kind of interesting i've noticed a lot more um like university and post-secondary programs are starting to open up more like art business like type of like combination degrees um which is really interesting and super beneficial to artists because I know at UVic for example I think they're starting it I don't think it's started yet um but I was talking to a professor and they're basically they've created a like master's I don't think it's an MBA but it's like kind of like a business master's but it's kind of catered specifically towards people that didn't do business prior like that are more in arts faculties Mm -hmm. to kind of yeah give them the business knowledge that they need to kind of handle the industries or yeah that's fantastic yeah I think that's essential because um you know the other piece of advice I'd, I'd always tell people who are starting out as a musician is know your rights yeah uh, know them inside and out and know you know what it is that you what it is to own intellectual yeah. property uh there's a lot of value there mm-hmm. um you need to really know how to harness that and not get ripped off yeah definitely yeah i think too because like when you are if you are in the arts and you see somebody that wants to do something with your work, when you're just starting out, you feel so honored and you're, you know, so grateful that I think it's really easy to just kind of not just be like, wow, somebody like wants this yeah, and to not kind of, yeah, think twice that they may not have your best interest, yeah, which is too bad. I had this great, I heard this great quote. I did a, 
um, as part of a sync conference and at CMW one year, and Peggy Ciccone was on the panel, who is a notorious and wonderful uh, woman who runs the publishing side for Rush. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously incredibly experienced. Like Rush the Band? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> she, she's been around. Anyway, she, um, I don't know if there was somebody offering some sync opportunity, but it was going to be, you know, kind of no money up front or yeah. some classic thing. Uh, but great exposure for the great band. Great exposure. That's like and now, she too. Said, <laughs> she said, you can die from exposure in Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always keep yeah. that in mind. It's like, yes, no, this is worth something. I mean, yeah. make it work. Don't be, you know, a jerk about it. And mm -hmm. you have, don't think, you don't have a big head, basically, and mm -hmm. think that you need to, you know, be treated like a rock star when you're not there yet. Yeah. But at the same time, it is still worth something. So just, yeah. you know... I think just keep in mind that value. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then I'm sure it's either, you know, not just kind of going for the very first person that approach you with, yeah, whatever, if it's not great, kind of believing in your own product enough mm -hmm. that it's worth something and the next person will hopefully, yeah, yeah, not be. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to establish that low value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, What's kind of... Next for you, like, do you have any big projects coming up this year it, with music or with Cordova Bay? Yeah, we're, um, we're just in the process of kind of expanding our roster a little bit. Okay, cool. Um, building, building it back up a little bit. There was a, you know, a little bit of a... The last year, we didn't really sign anybody new because the shift was happening and just trying to, you know, make sure we're in a solid enough place to, to sign more artists. And so we're trying to build that up and kind of maybe expand a bit on what we we're talking about, uh, whether we, we do a bit of management as well, but on, you know, which we already, already do, but officially. Um, also think that there's a need for um, admitting for people, like people artists who want to remain independent um, mm -hmm. But they still might need help uh, with their release setup or yeah. with uh, collecting their royalties and things like that. That that we do day in day out, and it's you know it's pretty easy for us because we're set up for it. But mm -hmm. it's actually really hard for an independent artist to do. So um, you know, I think that could be something that we we do a bit more of. Cool. So thanks for coming on, Jocelyn. Where can people find you if they're interested in finding more either about you know Jets Overhead or Cordova Bay Entertainment? Yeah, well, uh, jetsoverhead.com, um, and check out the socials there. Um, those There's there's the occasional update these days. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Cordova Bay, and then our other imprint is Fierce Panda Canada, Beautiful. which is the uh, Canadian arm of the UK indie Fierce Panda. So both those labels... Um, you know, we're pretty active artists right now. We have Jersey, uh, Carl Wolf on Cordova Bay, uh, Ben Sinister, Span probably has been around. He's, they're from Vancouver, so they're around yeah. Victoria quite a bit. We have David Gogo, who's an island born and raised mm -hmm. blues guitarist. Uh, you know, we're 
we're working on uh, signing some new exciting artists, so yeah, come check it out. Are most of your bands kind of, or most of the artists that you work with from Victoria? But no, it sounds like they're kind of from everywhere, hey? They, yeah, anywhere in Canada. Cool. Actually, we, uh, also the UK, because we're releasing a Fierce Panda release um, here in Canada now called Desperate Journalists. So cool. we're excited about that one too. Nice. Yeah. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. so much for listening to this week's episode of Off Key, and thanks again to Jocelyn for coming onto the podcast. I've linked to the show notes for this week's episode in the description, so please check those out for any more information on this episode, as well as some photos and other media. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. Off Key is still in the early stages, and the reviews and the ratings really do help us. If you have any other topics that you'd like me to bring up with one of our next guests, please either email me at offkey at membrand.net or send me a message at either Membrand Labs or Linsa Arnold on Instagram. Offkey and Fault Tolerant, our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain, are both produced by Membrand Entertainment Canada, aka Membrand Labs, a music services company that provides distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We're also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music's rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membrane Labs, you can find out more information on our website, www.membranelabs.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for listening, and I will play you out with Jocelyn's band, Jets Overhead's newest single, The Timing. See you next Monday. Close my eyes to retreat Well, she lies still beside me Can I say what I mean? And her love is the kind I need She's a million repeats Serving ways on exotic